Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there, my name is Des Cahill and today's guest does not need a big intro. My visitor to the island today is one of Ireland's most popular and colourful musicians. It's a pleasure to welcome Brush Shields. And Brush, even now at this stage, you are working on trying to break a sporting record. It's the all I have left to do in my life, really, Des. I've done everything else. But what I want to do is break the Masters 70 and over. 100 metres, it's roughly 13 seconds. I'm just slightly injured now every so often, but if you look at me, in 2014, I'm up on the internet, it's called The Loneliness of the Short Distance Runner, and I'm in them buying with me hat and coat on, and I do it in 14 seconds. With your coat on? With me coat on. So have a look around the internet, it's called The Loneliness of the Short Distance Runner. So on and off, I've little injuries that I've got between this and that, but I'm, I know for a fact I'll do it. That's what it's all about. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, at your age, you're in, incredible, Nick. It's all a long way from growing up the Fibsborough Road in Dublin. That's where I'm, no, there's nowhere like it. I have this little song that, uh, for Bowes where, like, uh, my name is Brendan Bruce Shields, I'm as Dublin as can be. But on opposite John Davies on the Fibsborough Road, my dad worked in the CIA. That's exactly, you know, yeah. it was all daily amount of music on the Fibsborough Road. Daily amount, of course, Bohemians. Yeah, daily. Yeah. And, and the music... Well, the music was next door to me, right next door is Jimmy Cooper on the Blue Shadows, just up the road, the Red Olympics, across the road, Mick Kinsler, Betty Ann of the TPs, and in the same house, Jack McGinn, who played piano on Whiskey on a Sunday, up Monk's Place, Tommy Quinn on the Quintets, and I'm in the Cubs, nine or ten, and my Cub leaders are Tony Bogan and Joe Tiddle, who went on to start the Miami show band. Nothing but music everywhere, that's all, you know, I loved it. So football and music was your choice. That's it still is. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll chat about the music length, obviously, but yeah. you were a good footballer too. I'd done nothing ex- ex- except score goals this. Like, that's, I that didn't get that, that's all I was interested yeah. in, you know. I just scored goals, nothing else. And your brother Mo would have been known to a lot of League of Ireland fans. Well, the kind of thing was, my brother Paul, who should have been better known than he was, both of them are Republic of Ireland Youth Internationals. Really? Yeah. yeah. And Mo, not only was he a legend playing for Pats, but I've meeting people all over the world that says, Jesus, Mo, your brother, he was the MC in the Patriot, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Paul, the other brother, who unfortunately, he's, he's, he played for Shelbourne when he was just going 17. Yeah. But we have this problem with groin and hamstring to this day that plagues the whole family. But Paul was so fast that in the early 60s, he won the All-Ireland 100 yards dash. He was like lightning and he left for it. He, he, he could have went to Arsenal. He, should, yeah, he could have went to any place. And you, you played with Bohemians as a youngster. I signed for Bowes in 1964. I went in with the late Jimmy Conway. And the reason I went in that day, his dad had been looking after me since I was 11. I was playing for but Jimmy's dad? Jimmy's dad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I played for a little team called West Cabra Albion that came out of Venti Park and played in the bogies. And Jimmy's dad always kept an eye on me. 
And then at that stage, I was playing for Stella Mars before I went up there. Yeah. So Jimmy Starr says, we have to meet Sean Thomas in the Bohemian Cafe. Don't say too much. He, he was the manager, to, wasn't he? He was yeah. the manager, but yeah. he didn't want to meet us in the grilled. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was talking to Jimmy then about, there was a chance we could get to Fulham in six months' time, and it'd be £4,000 each. I didn't know. I had no idea what he was talking about. But I only lasted three or four weeks. And Jimmy, in six months, he was gone to... Uh, Fulham, Fulham, yeah. yeah, great player. And they had a great international career, yeah. Great player. I just was, he had his own football school in the and this guy convinced me to buy these downbeat magazines. <laughs> they were jazz magazines. And I kind of looking at this, that, and then I, So I seen this uh, film that was coming, 1959, it was called Jazz on a Summer's Day. And it was on in the Cabra Grand. So I got the 12 bus and I went up there. It was in the afternoon. There was about four people there. I'm sitting there. And then came Louis Armstrong, Mahalia Jackson, Jack Teagarden. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. Thelonious Monk. And this guy called Chuck Berry, and he came out doing the thing I'd never seen before, which turned out to be the duck walk, yeah. and singing Sweet Little Sixteen, and that, my life was never the same again. <laughs> you serious? Yeah, once I seen Sweet Little Sixteen, that was it, it must be 1959, 1960, I, I, that's what I have to be doing, jumping around and playing. Like and what, was it the energy of him? I've never seen anything like it, I was a big Elvis fan, like all my brothers, well, that's what we all are, eldest fans yeah. this day. But I'd never actually seen anybody playing the guitar and moving like that. And wherever it was about the whole thing, it affected me, you know. So to this day, like, you know, that same thing. If I hear Sweet Little Sixteen, I, you know, it's go Johnny Go or any Chuck Perry thing. Like, still, have, I'm up there, I'm ready to lip. You know, ready. Well, let's hear it then. The first musical selection of Bruce Shields, Chuck Berry. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That sweet little 16, <laughs> the choice of today's guest musician, Bruce Shields. So now you've fallen in love with Chuck Berry, but can you play, can you play this I one? I couldn't play a note. And I'm, I'm a messenger boy in Aer Lingus. And a couple of days a week, you'd have to go around all the different airlines with the post. And I'd be going to Swiss Air and Sabina and KLM. But Swiss Air is up the top of Grafton Street. And to get there, you have to pass Cavendishes. And Peggy Dell is in the window playing the piano. <laughs> and I'm in there with the, the post on the VR, and I'm sitting there, and she's singing, it had to be you, or you know that. Yeah. And I've seen this guitar and amp, uh, 18 pound 18 for the guitar, 18 pound 18 for the amp. Three years to pay, you know, and I said to me, Dad, like, would you go Garden Tar for me? No, he threw the head, everything. Anyway, so I. He, <laughs> he saw thought it was that. a notion, did he? Yeah, in your, yeah. <laughs> like, it just. Yeah. He couldn't talk to me at the best of times, <laughs> but talking about guitars and amps. Now I couldn't believe it. So I hadn't a note in my head, and I get the guitar and the amp. And I go to Jimmy next door, Jimmy Cooper, and I said, Jimmy, I have a guitar and an amp. Can you tune the guitar for me? So you have to, so he says, oh, yeah, I'll tune it for you. So the next day he said, I have a gig for you. I said, I can't play, Jimmy. He says, I know that. <laughs> he says, it's Rose Tynan on, Rose Tynan on the Rangers. I says, I don't know what, like, so he said, the manager's name is Teddy, he owns a shop down in Dominic City, he'd be able to see it, his foot is in plaster, he can't drive, but he'd be, he'd be in a Volkswagen. So anyway, Rose sends a message that she'd like to meet me, because it's a brand new band for the weekend, or going to somewhere in Kildare. 
So I get there, and there's a very serious lad with a trombone. And he's very young, he's younger than me now. And I'm about 17 or 16 at the time. And Rose says to me, that, that, that lad there, he's only to come out of the R10 boys band. His name is Danny Ellis. Oh, yeah. All right. And he says, the drummer is only 11 or 12. <laughs> this is another drummer. <laughs> Desi, one of the greatest drummers of all time. He's playing the drums. There's some guy, Paul, that's singing. He wants to try going one in the sky by Pat <laughs> And I go over his leg and plaster. He was the manager. At least that's me. I play the accordion. But when we get there on Saturday night, uh, Desi Reynolds is playing the drums. When we get there on Saturday night, I'll be behind the curtain. They won't see me. And all I want you to do is keep winking at all the young ones. So I said, oh, well, I just walk up and down. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's all I want you to do. And he said, I'll give you 15 shillings. I said, what? <laughs> so anyway, I went out that night and Rose starts singing there. Uh, this song's just for you. That was the voice of all the songs the world is singing. I'm moving around and yeah. nodding at everybody. And Rose is looking over me and delighted. And Danny is the one where to play the trombone in the country of West of yeah. He's going like he's all this jazz stuff off. But he's there anyway. And Desi Reynolds, one of the greatest drummers of all time. He's like a little fella on the drums with a little sort of Roy Rogers type sort of waistcoat with little frills on it. And we all had these frilly waistcoats that he gave us on the way in. And Rose says, This is one of the best bands I ever had. She says, Me at the end of the night. And I couldn't take advantage of the same. He says, What was that song about that you sang called I've a Love Not In My Larry Yet? I thought Larry was the boyfriend or something. She said, That's, No, Larry Yet is a rope. So the first night I remember Rose touring. So I've done that for three or four weeks. And you know. winked at the girls without playing a I've note. never stopped doing it, guys. I'm telling you, I still do the same thing. When I see Daniel O'Donnell, I realise he's been copying me. He's been copying me all my life, you know. But that was the yeah. that was the thing, guys, you know. Who who taught you how to play the guitar? Well, funny enough, I started to figure it out as I went along, and then I got a knock on the door. Pal of mine to this day, John Cavanagh is his name, you know. And John says, uh, we're putting a band together. He's, you know, so I said, I'll come up to your house. And I went up to his house and, and he said, I want to play this one by the Beatles called All My Loving. He says, but there's a triplet in it. And I said, like, what, what, like, what's the triplet? He says, you know, close your So next thing, All My Loving. So he says, we have this place to rehearse, but we'll have to go down, have a look around for us and hire the gear. He had a push, very, very small. He says, you go on the back of this. He said, the problem is the silence are just gone in it. And I haven't got a Brillo pad. He used to put a Brillo pad in where the silence was. So anyway, we stopped at the shop and got a Brillo pad. He puts it in. We head down and we hired the gear off. Derma Hurley, 50 watt for Texan, Skull Mike, Stand, and a few old crazy boxes. And we're going to St. Peter's Hall in Bisbet to rehearse. But Derma never puts a plug on the gear. So we plug the gear in. I hold the microphone and my guitar at the same time and get electrocuted. So I, I shoot up in the air, down on my back. Six strings burned into my hand. Jeez. And I on me back on the floor. The drummer, John, up, beat me on the chest. And... Every time I hear all my loving this. <laughs> <laughs> it's electrifying. <laughs> so that was the first time I got electrocuted, you know, and it was severe now. But, uh, you know, rock and roll, you know. How bad was the injury? Well, the six strings were born on my hand. People reckon I never recovered. <laughs> that it kind of gave me a shot of adrenaline that I never really sort of... Uh, and it gave me something anyway that I never really got back. It was almost like electric shock treatment, you know, but in the whole body rather than just the brain. But they reckon my brain was, you know, all the boys used to give me a bit of that, you know. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. 
That's the Beatles and all my loving, yeah. the choice of today's guest musician, Bruce Shields. And obviously they were an influence on you. Phil Linnett and yourself. Yeah. You were pals. Ah, we were the best of pals, you know. We were the, we were the, I never, I'll never forget. Funny, the, the way I got to, to know Burnham was I went to see a lad called Dave Robinson, who was a photographer in the Grafton Arcade. And he had a little sign on his door that said, Private Eye. So I'm in talking to him and just, he says, I'm going to start a discotheque. So I said, what's the, what's the disco? The disco. Yeah. He said, no, that's where you play records all the time, you know. He plays called Sound City. But anyway, ultimately, that's the same Dave Robinson that went on to own Stiff Records, manage Elvis Coslo, Doris Straits. He's, this is an yeah, Irish guy, yeah, yeah, photographer. Yeah. So he tells me, there's a coloured guy, I was looking for the singer, I said, there's a coloured, there's a coloured guy singing with the Black Eagles. I never heard of either of them. But anyway, he said, have a listen to him. I got Phil's address and I rang him on the phone. I said, come on and see it. So I got the bus over to Leglin Road, knocked on the door, and there he was, he opened the door. So I came in and I asked him what, what he liked, and he was saying he liked the Velvet Underground. I'd never heard of him. And then he says, well, Paul Simon singing, uh, I am a rock, I'm a I said, forget about all that. Like, Jimmy Hendrix, that's where we're going. I said, do you know Hey Joe? He says, uh, yeah. I said, well, come up. I've got all the lads ready. Come up and see what it sounds like. So he arrived a couple of days later up in Cinder Place, ten Cinder Place. What age was he roughly at this stage? He'd be about 18. And he arrived in an incredible leather coat, even better than mine. Is that the long one? Yeah. Yeah. And a pair of Jim McGinn sunglasses. I don't know where he got. Only Jim McGinn out of the boards had the green ones, like for Mr. Tambourine Man. But Phil was not getting a pair somewhere. And sings Hey Joe. And that was it. Like, I was just, that's it. Can't fail, you know. So we way went after that. And then, then Gary Moore came in and then I kind of realised that there wasn't room for two front men and Phil would probably have to go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so his old tonsils wasn't great, he wasn't singing great, so goes over, his mother pays, brings him over to get his tonsils done so he was breathing a bit better. And so when he came back, I had, I had to let him go. And I, I know this sounds ridiculous, Des, but it's true. Where his statue is now, mm. wouldn't be two yards from where I let him go. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. We were down in the, the sales pub. off Grafton yeah, Street, yeah. Yeah, and uh, brought him outside, let him go. I said, but I'll teach you how to play. Like, that's the best I can do. But I have to let you go. We're going to be the next Cream, the next Jimi Hendrix. There's only three guys that are playing. We can't fail. You're there. It doesn't really work. And was no. he not applying himself? Or? Well, you see, we started out and women everywhere. And that, that was his job. And it was great, you know. And then the world changed suddenly overnight. And instead of going to San Francisco, you know, and discussing him whether we should buy the flowers down the middle street. <laughs> and we're all throwing the head over. You can get them much cheaper. We always not spending too much on the flowers. It's not right. We went from sort of that to the very heavy Gary Moore came in. So Phil's standing there for 10 minutes waiting on the drum solo, the bass solo and the guitar solo. And even though he looks great and he's moving, it's not the same. So I said, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll teach you how to play. I wave I'm there outside the Precious Blood and he gets the bus over. It's the opposite now. He's getting the bus over from Legland Road and I'm yeah. sitting outside the Precious Blood and Cabra West waiting him to get... He's the only one on the bus. So I can see him up there. And he comes at the time when the ladies are coming out of the Precious Blood Church after 10 o'clock mass and they're all waiting over Phil. They think he's Harry Bellop, aren't they? <laughs> you know, St. Martin, the power race. But he's a good-looking lad and he's smiling and he mad thinks there's nobody like him. He comes into the house and he asks me where the, wa- the holy water was so that when he comes in, he can bless himself yeah. and look me mad at the same time, but give the impression that he knows what he's doing. He's splatting holy water everywhere. You know, and after, you know, he yeah. practice every day, and eight hours a day and six weeks a day. And 
I never thought he'd be as good as he was, otherwise I wouldn't have showed him half the things I showed him. <laughs> the, the truth has been honest with you. Was he only fully appreciated after he passed away, do you think? It doesn't really work like that. I'd like to think that it does. But he would much prefer, he would have much preferred if he was that big when he left him, Lizzy, to do whatever he was doing next. Mm. But whether you believe it or not, it's not good to you when you're not there. You know, so you can say in the grade, everybody's coming to save my love the world. He didn't want that. He wanted it when he was there, doing the next thing that he yeah. was doing, and knowing that he's interested in it. Yeah. When he's up in Rathfall and Donegal, and nobody turns up with his new band, Grand Slam. Mm. So all that stuff is great, going to see his grave, and his memory will go on forever. You were synonymous with the Fields of Athen Rye, mm. which is a relatively modern song. Some people think it's... it's yeah, yeah, Pete St. John. Pete St. John. Yeah. Great song. The kind of thing about the Fields of Athen Rye is, it cost me more for the poster than it did to actually make the album. I went in and I'd done 21 tracks in two hours. One, just one, one You're just, yeah, me. Bang, yeah. bang straight through them. And into that came Dirty Old Town as well. And for years and years and years, I'm getting played Old Trapper Dirty Old Town. Fields of Attenroy in Anfield Road on the same day and nobody seems to know it's me until this day we still get played in Old Trafford Dirty Old Town they contacted me there we'll go tell me they weren't going to pay me anything and to sign that and in all the years that those two songs we now getting played all over the world I've never got a euro and Peace St. John's got less <laughs> we never got why? paid for plays never, never got paid for plays anywhere ever and I, not, I had to laugh there in November I'm sitting there Michael D shakes hands with all the players next thing Fields of Atten Roy, 82,000 people. I'm sitting love, <laughs> grinning to myself. <laughs> Every one of them, Roy, it never that's, fails. And your version of it? That's my version, yeah. It's always my version. They don't play my version at their rugby matches. Yeah. Because they call my version the Republican version. Which you know, it is, like, that's, yeah. you know, that's the way it is. And, you know, it's always been that way. Well, yeah. And, and Dirty Old Town is about Salford, isn't it? The Manchester. Yeah, but everybody yeah, thinks it's about yeah, Dublin. Yeah. It's yeah. about Salford and it was written yeah. by Ewan McCall and I tell people, do you know what Ewan McCall's real name is? It's for killing time on stage. No. Oh. Jimmy Miller. And the first thing they ask is, why did he change his name? I don't know. His real name is Jimmy Miller. Right? So, fair enough. That's just... But the first time I heard it is a different thing altogether to the old town. Powerful song. So, yeah, I'm there with Philo. No, Philo hasn't arrived yet. We're in the Franciscan Hall. That's the Merchant Key project. Yeah. But at that time, Franciscan Hall and my great pal, Joe Colgan, who became his solicitor, but when I met him, he was a, we could go all day on Joe, you know, Donald Lundy and himself arrived one day, and Joe was starting a new record label, and he wasn't going to charge the bands, he'd pay for the record and everything, song records, he was a solicitor who loved music, mm. but so Joe became one of my best friends for all time, he was, he was an activist, he fought against injustice everywhere, he was always a visionary, but he was always, something would turn up and I'd have to be there, and kind of help him out, so I'd take a love with it, but whatever he done, the Russian ambassador always turned up, so it was a different story. <laughs> Why does the Russian? That, that's you can ask me, but no matter what he done, the Russian ambassador turned up. That's all I'm saying. There. Like, don't ask me anymore, because I remember one time there was a slight problem between him and the local, one of the very well local papers in uh, Ireland. that were insinuating that he was a Russian spy, but he wasn't. But anyway, he won the court case. But Joe, <laughs> Joe organised the Franciscan Hall for the band to practice. So we're waiting on Phil, and Phil arrives with this guy that I hadn't seen before. All the hair all over the place, should be with Jimi Hendrix, Gabardine, and in his pocket, I noticed that he had a copy of the Morning Star. Here, Phil said to me, Luke Kelly. Luke comes over and says, Bruce Gray, the major. I'd love to sing a few songs just now. I said, what do you want to sing? He said, I'd love to sing Thank You For The Days, you know, the, the, the oh, Kinks. Yeah, yeah I love that song. I loved it. Little help, my friends. 
and then dirty old town. Then he looks in dirty old town. Um, you know, I sing dirty old town, yeah. but you know, yeah. I can sing Ragman Road, but Luke Kelly sings Ragman Road. It's Luke, it's Luke Kelly, so. Ragnar Road, Luke Kelly, and then I'm, I'm looking out at the telly, and these guys are pouring paint over Luke, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm statue. thinking, yeah. I have a great idea, you know? Here's what we should do. Should do what Phil's mad done. Get all these stal- small statues made of Luke, and we'll be handing them out, and every time somebody puts paint on them, we put up two more statues somewhere else. And then what we'll do, me or somebody else, if this was Joe Cogan, this is what Joe would have done. Ben, we'll go out in the middle of the night and pretend that we're seeing Luke's statue moving. Doesn't walk a tree, you know. And people say, Luke Kelly, Luke, Luke Kelly statue, moving statue, Luke Kelly. And there's people that come from all over the world. So when it happens again, I'm I'm going to see Luke Kelly statue moving, right? And then I want like Bloomsday, I want a Luke Kelly day where we all wear these Luke Kelly wigs and we get out with the banjo and sing Raglan Road and Peggy Gardner. Had he the best voice? He had a voice, the same as Ronnie had a voice, and. Barney rang me one day and heard that I had donkeys. I wanted to know what, that I want to make my donkeys with his donkeys. He's down in Raherney. But anyway, Luke had a voice that none of us heard before. Ronnie Drew had a voice that none of us ever heard before. You know, the boys had this unbelievable that none of us had ever heard before. And you put the whole lot of the lads together and you have this thing. And then poor well, old Luke does. And people listen to him a bit more closely and realise that... The story of your life could be in there. You know, you could be you came up with Luke. You could have lived that, that time. You could have sang the ballads the same way. We're going to play out with that brush, but just for just to establish the donkey reference, you do you still have the donkey sanctuary? I've, I've only not not really. I've just oh. a couple of don. I'm I, I wouldn't be able to look after them like the old days. Yeah. I've a couple of the old donkeys and I've a, a pony, and. They they really look after me now, you know. They make sure I'm all right. Do they know you're, you're planning on running the hundred meters in thirteen well, seconds. Well, this is the most important thing in the lot. Is and when I do that, if I break the world record, then I'll explain to people how I done it, which is very unusual. But I'll give you a quick hint. I've come up with a particular technique called the electromagnetic technique, where you transform the energy from one side of your body to the other. And if anybody's on the internet. There's this thing that's been up there since the early 80s. Now, listen very closely. It's called Stand Still and Be Fit. That's Stand Still and Be Fit. And it's based on a Chinese warfare type thing called Qi Kung. And I use some of that in my way of doing it. And when I break the world record and become nearly as famous as I was when I was doing the fields of Atten Ray for the first time, we'll have a lot of a bit of fun again. There's, and we talk about Luke Kelly again. Well, Brush Shields, I have to say, you're one of my favourite Dubliners of all time. And we're going to play with the song that... As you say, it's linked to Dublin and Salford. It's Luke Kelly and Dirty Old Town. Great to see you looking so well, Brush. And I knew this. Thanks for thank you very much, Des. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio One.